Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show where we discuss the property issues of the day. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iproperty.com. Your host today are myself, Brian Fox, and beside me is Carol Tallon. Before I introduce Carol, Tar- <laughs> before I introduce Carol, should I, should I say, text number 087-939-2000. Carol. Thank you, Brian. Okay, we have another busy lineup ahead with some great industry guests. But first, we're going to look at some of the big property news stories of the week. So, Brian, did you see that actually the government have now stepped up their attempts to protect the construction sector from Brexit? Now, you go on. Yeah, there are there are a number of, of efforts I think being made to to do that all night. Um, well, there is. You go ahead. You go well, ahead. we're going to get Shane Dempsey in from the CIF, and he's going to talk to us about that. In fact, what is being done, what needs to be done, and really what kind of year we're in for in 2019 with all of this uncertainty. Um, another big story this week affecting the rental crisis which I think we're all well familiar with at this point there is some light in the horizon for tenants it's a dim but distant light um, and Jim from Property Button is going to come in and talk to us more about that okay. but one of the slightly more positive stories or is it is that for the first time in almost a decade getting a mortgage is the easiest part for home buyers and in fact finding the house is actually the difficult part so here to discuss this I have Colm Costello from JLL and you're very welcome Colm thank you very much so talk to us about the Dublin market at the moment. Is this true? Are people finding it easy to get a mortgage and still struggling to find a house? Well, I don't know that you could say they're finding it easy to get a mortgage. Um, it's possibly more a case that they're finding it more difficult to find a house. Supply is very limited throughout the Dublin market, both in new homes and in second-hand homes. There's very little movement on the market. Um you know the, the number of transactions every year is down considerably for the last couple of years. So it is, is that is difficult. that across all markets, Colm? Because I know, and well, not just anecdotally. I mean, last uh, you know before the new year, we were saying anecdotally that properties at the upper end of the market were starting to slow down, and the statistics now are showing that. But with the with the mid level budget properties, has that started to slow? Um, it, it hasn't slowed. It, there's very little supply. Right. You know, the bread and butter of the market is your three-bed semis within commutable distance of the city, and it's very hard to get them. Um, you know, the, the new homes that are being built close to the city are either apartments or they're the higher-end homes. So you have to go beyond the M50, really, to to find the two- and three-bed semis, which is what, in particular, first-time buyers or people trading up from apartments are looking for. Right. So uh, it's, it's a difficult market for them. I can imagine. And, Colm, you mentioned there about apartments... But yet we've been told over the last number of years that Irish people are starting to to undergo this cultural shift that first time buyers and in fact young families now are embracing apartment living. But are you seeing that? First time buyers certainly are, you know, um, it's a trade off to living closer to the city, obviously you know, apartments are more affordable than houses um, and it's a lifestyle choice for people. But once they start having children and the children are sort of coming to this school going age, there there does seem to be the desire for the 
upstairs, downstairs, and the, the, the semi or terrace house. And the garden, isn't it really? The garden, you know, um, hmm. the, the green out the front, um, yeah. you know, the, the suburban living really is what people are after. Yeah, that's just, uh, that's something, Brian, that we talked about over the years would need to change. There's no evidence of it changing, but seem, though. But there does seem to be, I don't know if Colin, if you'd agree with me, but there is does seem to be a human desire to have their own little patch of land on their... Yeah, they're <coughs> particularly in this country, I, I mean, it's less so on the continent. What, what you'll find on the continent is the apartment developments are designed around family living, yeah. whereas a lot of the apartment developments here are designed more so for cohabiting couples or single people. You know, there, there's but, less amenities for... But, but, even, e- but even, even in that, I mean, suburban living means the house. It means the, the front and back garden. It seems if we, uh, there's a, a huge des- a human, human desire to get back to the land, if you will, <laughs> yes. and have that sort of stretch of green <laughs> be, in front of the To be able to plant and your and strawberries out the back it, garden. It, yeah. it does, I mean, is that a natural thing? To, is that a natural human thing to have, do you think? I don't know if it's a natural human thing, but it's certainly something that is very evident in in Irish property that, yeah. you know, people do want to have the house as opposed to the apartment living they see it as, as a natural progression, you know. And do you see a sort of consumer resistance towards, I mean, is there a favour, would they, would they be biased in terms of that type of living as opposed to apartment living? Well, it's not a bias. It's, it's a preference. A preference, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah there'd be yeah. a preference to to having the house. You know, at some stage, obviously, starting out, a lot of people are more than happy to have the apartment. Mm-hmm. And you know, in some cases, where people would travel a lot or um, they want a bit more flexibility, apartment living suits them brilliantly mm. because you know you can lock up and it's more yeah. secure rather yeah. than if you're leaving a house empty there's there's a yeah. more because, concern I mean, with on it on the continent now you find a lot of people are you know they take for granted that we, we, we live in a part, two or three bedroom apartment and there's no sort of uh, but their, their apartments are different I mean I've lived in apartments in France and Spain and there's two very big things for me first of all the design of apartments on the continent are just so much better than Ireland so you have your downstairs space you know in a, in a garage or something like that so you have storage you have a utility room um, I don't have a utility room in the tiny three bed house I'm in at the moment and yet I had one in an apartment in yeah. Spain and actually the really big thing for me which I understand isn't going to be everybody's issue but on the continent you can have um, animals you can have dogs in in, um, apartments and you can't in Ireland and I know that this is an issue for tenants and for property owners Yes and I mean that can be an issue for people particularly renting Mm -hmm. that um, whether you're in a house or in an apartment there's very few landlords that will take Mm. pets you know particularly dogs actually that's a huge problem so actually that's something that I'm going to get up my soapbox (laughs) about in future months but I'll let you away with it today Um, so Colin tell me there's always such a focus on first time buyers but you must be coming across first time sellers in the marketplace at the moment are you Um, what kind of help do first time sellers need just help in, in in the market because again there's always this focus on first time buyers there's quite a lot of resources out there to help first time buyers buy but actually when you look at sellers you know particularly people who bought into a starter home even though we don't like to use the term starter home but that's effectively what it yes. is and they need help to navigate their move so that they don't lose out so when people come to you as first time sellers typically what kind of properties are they selling and typically 
what are they looking to move up into? Well, very often now, first-time sellers are they're either in apartments or in uh, two-bedroom houses. They're starting to have families, or they've started to have families, so they're looking for more space. Is their mm. their key, key concern? Or often they're looking to move back closer to where their families are, so they can have help looking after kids. They're, you know, one of the concerns for them then is schools. So they're looking to move to an area where, you know, the school, the quality of the schools is good, and um, the amenities are there. Mm-hmm. That they they have the social supports there to raise a family. And, and that's kind of, speaking of seller, I mean, what's the climate like for, for selling at the moment? Is there, is there any sense of nervousness about selling because of the, because of, you know, the market out there being so tough at the moment, price and so forth? I mean, are they willing to, 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 to look around and see what they can get? For selling, yes. I mean, it's a, it's a good market to be selling it's in, good market, obviously, okay. because the supply is short. So, um you know they're achieving strong prices but sellers then become buyers so they have to find something to buy as well my very point so um, it's difficult for them setting out to have the budget that it's going to cost X, Y or Z in order to trade from a three bed up to a four bed because the prices are moving now it's settled quite a bit you know in the last year or so um, price increases have been around three or four percent so that's sort of manageable and sustainable whereas a couple of years before that there was big surges in prices so you could have a three or four month period where prices could jump by seven or eight percent in that time period so it's difficult for somebody to gauge that and to time the selling and the, the buying correctly you know? sure. of course and actually I, I think when the marketplace is like that it does lead to some very poor decision making and that must be something that you witness from time to time as well when buyers come to you do you have a set of guidelines that you give them to make sure that they're prepared for what's ahead and to make sure that you know they really have honed in on their requirements and they know what they're looking for and that the requirements are realistic yeah well it's it's important for them to to know why that they're they're looking to trade you know to analyze it and to understand what it is they're looking for to to get out of moving house so whether it be more space or whether it be closer to work or closer to schools or shops or whatever it is that they understand that they're clear in their own minds why it is they're moving okay and And that way they can narrow down their search better you know of course do you find though that both buyers and sellers are coming to you far more informed now than they might have been even five six seven years ago they're definitely more informed. Um, th- they have the property price register now, which mm-hmm. enables them to see what properties are selling for. It's, it's The market is more transparent now. So if they're looking in a particular estate or on a particular street, they can see what price houses are trading at in that area, mm. as opposed to just asking prices, which could be... 10% plus or minus what the final price is, you know, yeah. so setting out, they can budget better that they, they know what kind of prices to expect in an area, you know. Um, so from that point of view, they're certainly more informed. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, you know, there's, there's a lot of other 
costs that they could take into account when trading. So, you know, particularly in the second-hand market, you're not always comparing like with like. If you're looking at two houses in the same estate, one could be in excellent condition, one could be a fixer-upper. Mm-hmm. So it's having the uh, a realistic idea of what costs would be involved in getting the fixer-upper to the state of Okay. the house that's in good condition and seeing which represents better value for them. Yeah, and actually in terms of renovation, I did see a news item um, on in the last few days. Um, I just saw a news item there to show that renovation costs had gone up hugely for individuals carrying out renovations in the current marketplace. So is that something that new buyers are are aware of? or Yeah, I think there's, there's quite a lot of uh, focus from the media on that, you know, bill costs have gone Mm -hmm. up so obviously any kind of building work the price of that has gone up Mm. significantly in the last three or four years so I think it's people um, yeah materials also Mm -hmm. but I think particularly it's it's the labour involved in it where, where the prices have gone up Speaking, just just want to come in. Speaking, speaking of um, in the context of um, fixer up, as as you call it, um, obviously a lot of old houses aren't properly insulated, and uh, yeah. there's a term BER. Perhaps you'd give uh, listeners some idea of how they can improve, perhaps maybe their own house in relation to insulation and what the BER actually means. Yeah, well, the BER is the building energy rating, so basically what it is it would be similar to your miles per gallon in a car it gives you an idea of what the cost of running the house would be from over a year so the better the BER the lower the costs of heating it and living in it are going to be so heating is the main factor involved in the BER so um, some of the things you can do to improve a BER are a new heating system so if you're in a house that was built in the 80s or 90s and you have the same central heating system that was there originally it would be a very low rated system so it would Mm -hmm. be maybe 50 or 60 percent efficient whereas a newer boiler now could be 93 94 percent efficient okay so putting in a new boiler will immediately increase the BUR and other things such as insulation so a very important factor is attic insulation. Yeah. A lot of older houses only oh. have maybe two or three inches of insulation in the attic. So another roll of uh, lambs wool insulation, or sorry, rock wool insulation, would, would make improve a that hugely. Lagging jacket on the hot water ciling- cylinder. And and the in between the walls as well. Is, that, is how popular Well, if that? you have a cavity wall, um, you can pump the insulation in between them. But a lot of houses would be cavity block so the the pumped cavity insulation doesn't work as well in them because it ends up being quite patchy but you can insulate the outside of the wall which is very effective I I suppose from a resale point of view as well worth investing in good uh, insulation like that yeah from a resale point of view it's certainly worth investing but even from the point of view of if you're staying in the house it's worth investing in because it will pay for itself eventually but in the meantime living in the house is a lot more comfortable because it retains the heat so if you have the heating on for an hour in the afternoon it'll retain the heat through the evening whereas in an older house where it's drafty and has it's poorly insulated as soon as the heating goes off the house is freezing but how i understand that and i think that's going to become an even more important issue however how much value do 
house hunters at the moment put on the BER cert? Are they actually offering more for houses that have a higher rating or does it factor into their decision making and their negotiations? It factors into the decision making. Now again, it's hard to quantify because Mm -hmm. in the second hand market, no two houses are the same. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if if you're looking at two side-by-side houses and one is a C-rated and one is an F-rated, the C-rated obviously is going to be less expensive to live in. But it would generally follow that the, the, the house that's C-rated is probably in newer condition as well because they would tend to have so other upgrades as well. So the, the F-rated house, you know, would be in similar condition or similar style to how it was built, you know. Very good. Um, yeah, and look, that, that makes sense. And I do think it's something that we're going to be hearing more about and talking a lot more about. Um, but before we let you go, Colm, can you think of maybe just a tip for house hunters out there at the moment who might be feeling a little discouraged because of how difficult it is to find a property? Can you think of one tip that might just help them today? One tip for them is to, to be organised to begin with and have a clear idea of what it is they're looking for um, and then look at as many properties as they possibly can because while they might on initial inspection be put off a house you know it, it could be the diamond in the rough it could be a house with huge potential that you know they could get it at a better price spend a bit of money on it and it could be the house of their dreams That's brilliant we're all in favour of a diamond in the rough aren't we Brian <laughs> So Colin thank you so much for coming in to join us this evening on Property Matters welcome. That Thanks was Colin Costello and Sales Negotiator for JLL Thank you so much Next up after the break we have Jim Urell a CEO and founder of Property Button 93.9 Dublin South FM Oh, will you look at them go? I wish I had their energy. Ah, they're good for the soul though, aren't they? I can't imagine life without Lucky. <laughs> but he might outlive me yet. Oh, <laughs> well take my advice and sign up for a Dog's Trust Canine Care card. It's completely free and it's given me such peace of mind since I did. What's that? Well, it's simple really. It means if you pass away before Lucky, Dog's Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home. That sounds terrific. How much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great. How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100 and they'll call you with more information. Or you can go to dogstrust.ie. Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. Here, Lucky. Good boy. Whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply, Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential telephone service for older people. Free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're open every day of the year from 10am to 10pm, including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1-800-80-45-91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand and we're very good at listening. Did you get the senior line number? It's free phone 1-800-80-45-91. Your community radio for South Dublin. This 
is Dublin South FM. And you're very welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Brian Fox and Carol Tannen. You can contact us on Twitter at uh, iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. And we also have a text number this evening. It's text number uh, 087-939-2000. So you can get us on that as well. Okay, Brian, as I mentioned at the top of the show there, that we have some positive news in in terms of our rental crisis, that there is some light on the horizon for tenants. And here to talk to us about it is Jim Ural, CEO and founder of Property Button. Jim, you're very welcome today. Thanks, Carl. Yeah. So, Jim, you saw that uh, the, the good news is really quite relative here in the, in the rental market. Um, prices are still going up, but they're going up at a slightly lower rate. Um, but what is positive is that availability of properties seems to be growing and nationwide I think we have about 11% more available rental stock on the market unfortunately in Dublin that's about 1% Mm. Um, but look we have to take the positives where we can so Jim you might just explain what it is the property button does Sure. Um, we set up um, approximately seven years ago now, um, and we concentrate on the rental market. So um, uh, uh, we've, we've watched that market change from 2009, where there were 240,000 properties available um, for rent in the Irish market, to last year, where there were less than 80,000 um, uh, private rental uh, properties available in that market. And, and we've we've seen how the market's evolved. You know that that uh, we've had this horrible, vicious cycle um, in place where people won't move because rents have increased. So if they go to the next property, their rents are going to be higher. We all know this. But the other side of that maybe hasn't been as clear to everyone. Because people don't move, there's less properties available in the market and less properties available, the rents push up. And we've had this horrible, vicious cycle. And the only solution to that is is availability of more new rental property. We certainly need 25 to 35,000 new houses per year. And we haven't seen, we've seen maybe 4,000 houses per year built in the period 2009 to 2014, 2015. Yeah, I think the figures last year were coming up to about 17,500 to 18,000 and I know the target this year is for 21,000 but there's still some dispute as to what constitutes a new property um, there's still dispute over those figures but we're still a long way off 25 well, in terms to of how they're uh, wired up and so forth from as in are they newly built or are they actually properties that have been disconnected from utilities and then just we back do, to the marketplace yeah, yeah. so we're like what Jim says is absolutely correct we need somewhere between 25 and 35,000 conservatively yeah. for the, consistently for the next few years and at best in 2019 we're likely to have an output of about 21,000 but the good news is it's a significant ramp up. Mm-hmm. And the good news is we're starting to break that vicious cycle of people not moving because rents are too high and then rents increasing because people aren't moving. As you said, 11% increase in rental property nationwide in the critical pinch area in the Greater Dublin area. It's lower. But that is really good news. So what we've seen is frustrated first-time buyers, people who just sat in rental property because there was nothing to buy and you mm-hmm. couldn't get a mortgage. And um, So those frustrated people are now starting to move, starting to become first-time buyers. Um, so, so that's fantastic. And, the, and we certainly have seen the, the uh, first-time buyer grant um, um, uh, supporting that, so supporting affordability. And hopefully now as we see the new Home Building Finance Ireland, that uh, that coming through supplying um, uh, finance outside the Greater Dublin area in particular, that that will increase supply further. Um, so I think we're, we're starting to break that. It, it's not a uniquely Irish problem though, isn't it? Is it? I mean, it, it seems that a lot of cities, modern cities now, are having this problem of supply. 
London, many cities in the UK. I know in the States too, there's a, a major problem there as well. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you, Brian. You know, in, in any of the major metropolitan areas that are growing, uh, we've, we've, a, we've a lack of supply. But in Ireland, we, we had a really vicious um, housing market collapse and banking market uh, was collapse that simultaneously. Of previous government policy, or, or what do you think is the. Oh, gee, there were a million reasons for <laughs> oh, that. There are a million reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, can, yeah. I think we can give him a prize if he can, yeah. if he can pinpoint yeah. the cause yeah. of that. <laughs> uh, but, but certainly, you know, it, it, it's relatively unique where we'd see a housing market collapse and a banking collapse simultaneously. Oh, yeah. well, enough, um, yeah. And, yeah. and that, you know, it's just so hard to recover for that, and it's taken us 10 years. But, you know, let's not focus on that vicious 10 years. Um, um, the great news is uh, that, that we're starting to see momentum um, in, in, in the supply of, of property. And, and first-time buyer properties are directly correlated to the availability of rental property. And rental property is directly correlated to the price. So if you're a tenant out there listening and you are at the pin of your collar, rents have gone up 600 quid per month since 2011. Like Tenants are being crucified mm. because of the market. The good news is the help is coming. So mm-hmm. if you can hold out until the cavalry arrives... In other words, uh, more housing you know, supply, obviously. More housing supply. It's and and I mean, I don't know if this is our area, but rent regulation, do you think, is, is that on the on, on, on the on anyone's agenda in relation to uh, rental properties? Yeah, so we've, we've certainly seen an, in general increase in regulation over the last number of years, Brian. Um, in particular, the rent pressure zones um, been inter- mm-hmm. um, uh, being um, introduced in, in many metropolitan areas where we're seeing very high increases in rent. And Is it fair to say, Jim, we're only seeing the effects or we're only seeing the effectiveness of the rent pressure zones this year? I think we, we've seen the effects. I'm glad you said that, Carl, because we've seen the effects for a couple of years and the effects have been um, actually reduced property supply. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a rent pressure zone um, and you are have a locked in rent, you're not going to move for love nor money because mm-hmm. guaranteed you're going to a higher um, um, uh, price property. So if you won't move and loads of your other renters in the market don't move there's no supply so rent rents just go through the roof in anywhere outside the rent pressure zones so we almost immediately saw that effect that unforeseen consequence as soon as the regulation came in I don't know to answer the second part of your question yeah. there Carl whether we're actually seeing the positive benefits of rent pressure zone now I genuinely don't believe that to be the case I think that the it's all down to supply because right? it's not a nationwide reduction in, um, in rental income Increases because of, um, of of rent pressure zones. That's because supply is coming back into the market. They're directly yeah. correlated. People are people first. Those frustrated first-time buyers are now able to buy. Right. Uh, look, I agree with you 100% about the supply issue. And actually, speaking of supply, did you see? Um, I'm not sure which newspaper it was this week or at the end of last week published. Um, one of their journalists turned up to an open viewing of a rental property and the crowds, you would think they were giving away U2 tickets. Genuinely, the the crowds were unbelievable. And this is something that I hear about this problem from two sides. First of all, yes, frustrated, frustrated um, tenants. And as the mother of a young adult, this is something that we know firsthand. This is a problem in the marketplace. But I'm hearing it from um, letting, manning, managing and letting agents as well. They're telling me that they can have up to 2,000 applicants for a single apartment. How do you deal with that? How do you process that? How do you find the right, the right tenant among 20 or 2,000 applicants? I mean, is this something that technology can even address? Yeah. Um 
So, like, you take that problem of getting 2,000 email requests for viewing from, from Daft or My Home if you're an agent, and you add the pressure on top of that of, of the new, well thought out, and, well, uh, and, and I'm delighted it's in place, the anti-discrimination regulation, mm-hmm. um, so that, that you have to prove that you didn't discriminate as an agent mm-hmm. between person A and person B. Um, it's almost impossible as an agent because you don't know the difference between Jim and Carl and Brian. All you have is a stream of fire hose of emails. You can't even, as a business, respond to all those people and mm-hmm. say, Jim, thanks for your application. Um, uh, so as a business, as a, as a rental business, you kind of feel it's really damaging your brand, the volume that's hitting you. So, you know, it really is damaging um, uh, businesses, damaging the experience for everyone. And as a tenant, you're sitting on Daft or My Home and you're applying and applying and applying. You're getting no feedback. You don't know what you're doing wrong. The no feedback actually is a problem for tenants. But I mean, okay, we know the problem. What's the solution? So so we've actually built out the solution for this and, and it's being tested through 200 um, um, letting agents around the country at the moment of, of the about 5,000 agents through the country um, uh, through sales and lettings. Um, so w- what we've built is uh, uh, once you apply for a viewing through Daft or My Home, you'll receive receive an SMS back um, inviting you to create a profile on the system on our system and you create that profile once you upload some of your information Is um, this a website that's linked um, to the ad on, da- or on Daft or My Home? Yeah so so the, the way you become aware of the services you, you apply for a property as normal through Daft or My Home mm-hmm. and the estate agent has, uh, will have, have an agreement with, with, with our business property button and as soon as that request comes in our platform then responds from the estate agent saying requesting that tenant to create a profile on the system and that profile allows you to put in a piece of personal bio so you can you can describe yourself so the agent has as as a, a way of a per, engaging with an individual rather than an email address so your support then to the estate agent as support, such so <clears throat> for first of all i guess it's um a, a support for the tenants trying to find a property so as a tenant, you're deeply frustrated with the experience of applying, 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 no feedback, not knowing what's going wrong. I have a 28-year-old myself. Um, he's just managed to, to secure a property, but he was, he was trying for years. He's a musician, so he finds it hard to, to, <laughs> to Did, he, to did he put that on his profile? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, um, but w- w- so for the tenant to actually have to uh, engage with every estate agent, because you'll apply for 40, 50 properties, um, and every single estate agent will have an automatic email reply saying send me this send me that send me the other and you do that with your personal data to god knows where for 40 50 agents and you don't know where your data has gone and you don't know whether you are good bad and different and you don't know what you need to do so the next time you have a better chance of of, of securing a property so that's the first bad experience that we saw tenants had. And on the other side of that, we've talked about the problem that, that, that agents had. So we looked at that environment and went, well, first things first, tenants should be in charge of their own data. They shouldn't be sending their personal data everywhere. It creates a problem with the business and it's sure as hell a problem for the individual. Um, um, Jim, just on that point, you, you said there we've touched on the problems for the agents. Do agents even know how much of a problem receiving that amount of data is 
Increasingly, they do. Increasingly, they realise that in a world where we've all heard about it, please nobody throw a brick at me if I say GDPR. Um, we've all heard about that now. We're all sick to the back teeth of hearing about it. But it's a very real thing, you know. And, and, and it's Well, the fines are very real and substantial. And the Data Protection Commissioner is now auditing estate agents. Increasingly, most of the large agents in Dublin have been audited and been told you need to do this, this and this. And they're pushing their way through the country. And they're very serious about it. So, now, Actually, audits have already started on letting and managing agents. Absolutely, oh, they've been going that. on for months now. Right. Um, so, so they, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry no, to interrupt you. Um, I'm, I'm just curious. Then, I mean, you work with the consumers. So does the, cons- do you, the consumer has obviously to pay you then to, to do this? Um, no, actually, we provide all our services free of charge. So we're paid. We we earn our 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 revenue. So to support the business from at the moment utility companies in the back end. So you you move all the way through the process, and I can talk you through that process now, Brian. But right at the end, where you've moved into the house, our our initial product was this utility product. So that after you sign the lease, you were given a little invitation into our app and it would say hi you've moved into 27 Delgany Glen Jim um, uh, these services are available at the property and you could go oh, I want the cheapest oh, or I want yeah. direct debit or I want you just put on a filter you decide all the products you want and you then don't need to know things like MPRNs and GPRNs and meter numbers this and mean all those services when you move into a new property you don't have to spend 20 minutes 10 times on the phone to air or ESP exactly networks oh. so you really are taking a huge headache Away from the from the uh, potential yeah so, so renter mo- most of the most of the letting agents um, the councils the housing associations uh, the REITs in the country would use that our standard utility service which only kicked in after you signed your lease you got your little welcome message and you went in and all your all the property information was in there so you didn't have all that horrible business of going in and finding all that information and being on the telephone and trying to close out those accounts and set up new ones and you know not knowing which one was the best price so we solved that hmm. five six years ago and, and that, that product is used extensively in the market so um, obviously you saw a gap in the market for that type of service we did yeah, uh, yeah. back then um, um, uh, we saw we saw that problem and and, and solved it and, and, and hence really started to understand the the rental process both from the agent and the tenant's perspective and just seeing the pressures they were both under um, and understanding just it was a bad experience for both sides and that technology could solve that. And that's why we built our, our new service um, which now allows a tenant to create a profile once. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of having sending the same data to 40 different agencies, you create it once mm-hmm. and you state the type of property you want. So I want a, a three bed in Bray County mm-hmm. Wicklow um, and then your watch list is automatically updated with the properties that, that, that match your, your criteria and you can just swipe on the property and say please give me a viewing and you immediately get feedback of you know am I in the top third the bottom third of people who've applied for this property and what I need to do to improve so that I have a better chance of getting a viewing so it puts transparency into the process yeah. for the tenant and it simplifies that process and allows them to control their data. And on the agent side, it allows them to, in a fair and transparent way, compare people so you get the right person for the right property and to call those people and work a, a consistent process and give feedback. So, so would you be in a position, do you think, um, to share that information then, like 
daft is doing with with um, with government agencies and so forth in terms of um, informa- raw data, raw information going going to the various government agencies and government services to know exactly where the market movements are and so forth. So when we were building the service, we were really aware of GDPR that that it was coming up, um, and we were also aware that if you sign up to most internet services, there's a 142 page terms and conditions that somewhere in there you gave away your firstborn child and, and a pint yeah. of DNA, you know. But none of us read it; we just go click, click, click. So we decided we were going to cut it down and just make it black and white, and we've just said we will not share your data oh, yeah. well, unless you specifically course, ask us yes, to. Yes. We'll only share your data with the people you ask us to so we don't do any stuff sharing with anybody sure. else even anonymized we don't do yeah, it yeah. and it's clearly in our terms and conditions and we also unshare it as soon so in, in the app there's a button share, unshare who sure. sharing with or delete yeah, um, yeah, um, so yeah. that, that GDPR was built in from the start. But, but in terms of the information you gather in relation to your own data which you, you obviously have a mind of information in relation to what's available, what's not available, movements, like all that type of... We, we have all that data, but we're clear as a business that that isn't our data, okay. that that is the tenant's data, and that's what's okay. in the terms and conditions. I see. That, that we built this mm. for tenants. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's to support you moving house. Okay. Uh, and we want to have a lifelong relationship with people, Brian, that they, they rent two or three times, they become a first-time buyer. So we want people to trust us so we know we need to be super transparent with the terms and conditions. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jim, I, I think that you're absolutely bang on trend um, with this and with the activity, the property button, is developing at the moment. In fact, you might have seen that Yahoo actually ran a global news piece this week talking, it was actually called Seeking the Edge and they were reporting how US landlords are actually turning to the tenant experience for competitive advantage. So it is all about improving the user experience and every property business knows the need to do that. So just before we finish up, can you maybe just give a quick tip for tenants who are frustrated and the light at the end of the tunnel is just too far away? Can you give them a quick tip as to how they can improve their standing on your platform so that they will get called for that? Even about 20 seconds. <laughs> create a profile. Log on to propertybutton.io and create a profile and we will bring you through the process. It tells you the minimum details you need to be called for viewing and it tells you how to improve your profile. Right. Jim Ural, CEO and founder of Property Button. Thanks for coming on the show with us. And after a quick break, we'll be joined by Shane Dempsey from the Construction Industry Federation. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. Could you and your dog spend one hour per week bringing special moments to people in care centres? Or would you like one of our volunteer visiting teams to come and visit your care centre? At Irish Therapy Dogs, we have a dedicated interest in the use of pet therapy for people in long-term or daily residential care. A professional organisation aimed at providing a pet therapy service on a national basis. If you with your dog would like to get involved, or if you would like one of our visiting teams to visit your care centre, then please call us on 01544-6198 or visit irishtherapydogs.ie for more information. Do you need a professional looking website or graphics for your company? Does your current website work on all modern devices such as tablets and smartphones? If not, you are losing business. Preamp Digital Media provides a full range of solutions to give your company the edge in today's digital world. Please visit www.preampdigitalmedia.com for all the information you need. That's www.preampdigitalmedia.com. I've always provided. That's what I do. Even when the job shut down, I somehow managed. 
but the pressure chips away at your confidence. I felt alone. I needed to talk things out. I learned Samaritans isn't just for when you hit rock bottom. I'm glad I called. It's always worth getting problems big and not so big off your chest. Call Samaritans. No pressure, no judgment. We're here for you. Anytime, talk to us. Free call 116123 or go to samaritans.ie. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM. I'm Brian Fox and Carol Tallon is here as well. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty, uh, at iProperty. Our email, uh, hello at iProperty.com and text number 87 Okay, thank you, Brian. Before we move ahead with what we're going to be moving ahead with now into the construction sector, I want to just give a quick mention about planning. Um, First of all, next week we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to planning. And I know that's not going to excite many listeners, but but bear with me. Mm -hmm. The reason we're doing this is that I think we might have a problem in Ireland in terms of our planning. I think we have a generation of people who genuinely don't know that they have a role to play in the planning process. They don't understand how vital that their voice is. And I think a big part of this... I certainly don't. Most people don't. Mm. But a big part of the problem is that we're still using these ridiculous A4 sheets stuck to the side of hoarding, exposed to the elements, um, and that's considered public engagement. Public consultation, right. Absolutely. And and the same with this old um, town hall type events. I just don't think they work. And technology is starting to change this. But as it stands, the current public consultation process for property development, I'm not convinced that it works. So here at Property Matters, we're on a mission to let people know about some key developments that are in the works so they can take it upon themselves to get informed. I'm going to stop you right there, okay? Because um, here's my attitude to it, okay? okay? And I think it's quite prevalent out there as well. There's consultations of all descriptions. You've got the panel up there and and so forth and people are down on the hall or down the floor talking about this, that and the other. But really at the end of the day, I think that a lot of people that are going to these consultations feel that their minds are already made up and you're just there as fodder for... um, for, for, for father from the point of view of we've had a consultation, we've had people here, we listened to their objections, but we have to overrule them because of A, B and C. Can you address that question, that, that point? That's, that's a very cynical approach, Brian. It is. So I, I, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. Unfortunately, I think you mightn't be, but I think that's a very cynical attitude, so we're not going to go down that road. Oh, we're not, okay. No, what we're going to do is we're actually going to let people know they have... They they have it. They have a voice within the planning system, um, yeah. and but they, with that voice comes a responsibility to use it. So okay, first of all, let's just throw it out. Dublin City Council have proposed a new plaza plan for the north side. It's uh-huh. um, a pedestrian plaza beside the Hapney Bridge on Liffey Street, and that's something that is going to be open for public consultation. Actually, I think. It's not going, unlike the College Green Civic Plaza, which was obviously re- uh, refused by a board planola quite recently. Um, this one is actually not, it, this plans are not being submitted to a board planola. Um, in fact, it's actually going to be open for public consultation and the plans will be on public display um, in accordance with the council's internal planning process in the coming weeks. So this is something that we want people, if they feel engaged, to actually take it upon themselves, find the information. It's all on the local authority, Dublin City Council website, actually 
take a responsibility to inform yourself if you have an opinion about it use your voice and actually contribute remember public consultation is one side of it but mm. community engagement is the other and remember property developers can't hear you if you're not submitting your voice so I think sometimes we have um, a cynical approach like you just took Brian I'm calling you out on it mm. you're cynical about the about the sector and I believe that they're ready to listen much more than people realise well actually you can't and you're absolutely right it is very cynical but I mean hmm. of of the uh, developers that are going on in this particular area I do know that people are turning up in their thousands to the clubs because as you know well here in, in, in Dundrum and there's talk of uh, hotels and so forth but um, to, I'm just addressing you know people that feel like people that don't go out and vote that my votes you know, what's, what's, what's the point in voting but um, in this area the whole the whole idea of, of community participation is quite vibrant Well we're going to make it even more vibrant so um, this is something that we're going to be talking about every week from now on okay. so if people have a strong opinion about this we'd love to hear from you the email address is hello at ipropertyradio.com and I am delighted particularly given your cynical attitude Brian I'm delighted that our next guest I'm Shane Dempsey <laughs> I'm not going to say anything anymore no. and Shane is the Director of Communications with the Construction Industry Federation Shane you're very welcome and I'm very glad it's this very evening that you're here yeah, well, so talk, you. tell me is the industry ready to hear and to engage with the public on planning developments? Uh, of course it is. I think um, the reality is probably somewhere between your both of your uh, cynical and naive approach to the whole thing. With I like to I like to consider it idealistic, not on, not naive. But thank you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you, much, much better word. I think. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, we we are listening, and I and I think um, uh, the extent of the increase in uh, housing, even that we've heard about today, um, it, it has increased by fourfold since 2013 from 4,000 houses to 22 with uh, us likely to hit maybe 25, uh, 22, 23 uh, next year and then possibly the 25,000 uh, mark which is you know considered a kind of the beginning of a sustainable level of housing but I think you can sense it out there um, and you can see it out there that there is an openness now to engage um, it's a different set of uh, house builders and developers that we're, that we're dealing with there are some familiar faces there of course but um, I think there's a new process, uh, and there's definitely uh, a sense a of optimism. Uh, there's a sense of optimism, certainly. I, what I say is the, the recovery in house building is here. It's just only unevenly distributed, um, so it's concentrated in the particular pockets in the Greater Dublin area. Cork is another area that's uh, uh-huh. showing strong growth, and that has really led the increase over the last number of years. But outside the Greater Dublin area, um, the reports back from house builders there are. Um, our stagnation it's not viable to build and for a functioning market as well you you know we need people who can buy people who can build and people who can lend mm-hmm. and outside Dublin need none of those uh, uh, factors are in place so there's an optimism in the urban areas there's a pessimism in the in the regional areas it's a huge dichotomy yeah. um, so it, it, the ramping up of activity is mm. a positive one but in terms of where the industry is now mm. At, uh, I, I think we're on target is it to deliver 21,000 homes this year up to 23,000 next year mm. um, is the industry at capacity at that? 
well, if you talk to the regional house builders, they'll say absolutely not. Um, they are eager to build, and mm-hmm. uh, there are towns, you know, outside the Greater Dublin area in the Midlands, in particular, in the West. And I'll have to mention all the regions now. But uh, th- there are builders there who are ready and willing to build, um, and they don't have the capacity in that they can't get uh, finance, development finance, to build these houses out. Um, and there's a there's a an anomaly in the system. There's contradictions in the system. There are there is demand everywhere, but mm. there isn't viability. So you mm. need the two in in tandem. Okay. Um, so well, viability supposed to mean profitability, doesn't it? Uh, well, profitability, right? yeah. yeah, indeed. And mm-hmm. if the banks don't see, I mean, this was a major insight for me uh, when I joined the CIF in 2016. When the banks don't see the 15% profit mm-hmm. margin on a development, they don't lend. So mm-hmm. the developer or house builder sits outside the Dublin area waiting I and think waiting and waiting, you know, for de- for demand to become yeah. realisable, you know. And that's a very, I, I'm glad that you brought up that point because I think that's something that's really misunderstood and misinterpreted across mainstream media at the moment. And that is um, this requirement in terms of viability and this requirement to show X amount, whether it's 12% or 15% profit, that's not the developer. Um, that's the bank that's the actually mm-hmm. requiring that. Um Tell me, are your members positive or are they feeling optimistic about the home building finance um, initiative? Uh, cautious optimism <laughs> to, to continue with the, the theme of earlier on. Uh, it's 750 million. Mm-hmm. It should by right really help kickstart uh, house building outside the greater Dublin area. We did a survey in 2017 with uh, RSM that found uh, regional house builders, SME house builders in particular, couldn't get finance from traditional banking sources. In fact, they disengaged entirely. Mm-hmm. So the survey showed that, that they weren't even going into the bank anymore at that point. So the the, the HBFI should be prepared to tread where the traditional HBF, banks, the uh, home building home, finance yeah, initiative, yeah. Uh, Ireland initiative, yeah. small, sorry, small yes, and, and, and small business, yes. Yeah. Right. So, but there's, so, sorry, yeah, sorry yeah. Shane, but just um, because I, you mentioned there that it's, that it's hoped it will stimulate activity yeah. outside of Dublin, yet a lot of the key sites that were named for joint mm. partnerships with mm. this are all in and around the Greater Dublin area. Yes, yeah, you 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 will find that um, they will have identified, like with the Land Development Agency mm-hmm. and the HPFI, they'll have identified a couple of key sites that they'll uh, trail out in the launch of of these initiatives, um, and then it's very much up up to we'll say uh, house builders or you know community groups to come together and then make applications. And I think it's my understanding there's over thirty at the moment already. Okay. But, but the easy ones, the low-hanging fruit, and it's back to my original point, where all the concentration of activity and increase is, it's all in the Dublin area. So that's great uh, for the short term. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dublin is reaching capacity in a number of ways. There's still demand for housing, but the more housing we put it in, the more infrastructure we need. And that's there's a bit well, of a dichotomy there. there you know, that's, that, that's, that is a major problem because, you know, we may go from um, ghost estates to mm-hmm. ghost communities, you know, if we don't yeah. actually build in the roads and the facilities so so it's something that has to happen in tandem and in fairness Minister Donoghue uh, Minister Donoghue has been very cognizant of this and he is pulling levers to release to more housing and release more infrastructure and curtail housing and, you know, so it's, it's actually, very Im- it's interesting It's quite interesting because a very popular it's actually Stephen Donnelly down in Wicklow mm-hmm. um, who is um, he's um, spokesman on health but anyway he was doing um, a video 
uh, and put it up on Twitter there, it was very interesting, of cars moving, a complete traffic traffic jam from way down South Wicklow up along the, uh, the what's that? N11? The S- N11. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was just dreadful to look mm. at. So from the point of view of infrastructure, mm. we really have to, I don't know whether, I don't know whether it's, it's, it's more investment in public transport or what it is, but certainly uh, well, something has to be done. Something has to be done. And, and in fairness, uh, I think the government were at pains to release uh, infrastructure funding first. Yeah, mm. So we had the LIHAF, which was the uh, local infrastructure housing activation fund. And that provided, that took the cost of developing roads, water services, etc., from the developer or house builder, which was maybe 10, 15, 20% of the cost of the site. Um, so when that was taken off, the banks can look at the proposal and go, okay, that looks healthy because they don't have to pay for those uh, local infrastructure pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they have been trying to do things in tandem, but there will be pinch points and there will be issues. And your community yeah. groups who come to talk uh, uh, to the planning uh, on the planning issues will will have to identify them and uh, you know and should be raising them. But um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it it will be interesting to see how things develop in the next while. Absolutely, it does seem like I, I mean you talk there about a number of solutions having to operate in tandem, and I understand that it does seem like an industry that's that's tackling one challenge on the back of another on the back of another so I mean uh, we've started with the challenge of finance and that's one thing but we know that the skills shortage Mm -hmm. is a huge problem and it seems to this isn't an Irish problem at all it's a global problem within the construction industry so I mean how real is that problem? How real is that problem and what is being done yeah, to address it? Well, the full extent of it hasn't hit the house building sector yet. Really? Um, so it's, it's, it's going, going to, get, to get, worse get worse before it gets better, I'm afraid, okay. because the activity levels that you'd want to see all across the country, as we've been discussing, aren't there. So at the, at the moment, you will have uh, skilled people travelling from Galway, Sligo and further afield to Dublin to yeah. deliver the construction activity there. At some point, when we do start building houses outside uh, the greater Dublin area uh, where where will we get the skilled people from? So the labour will the, all the, it will, leave. It will be concentrated in the Dublin area. So it's, so there's a there's a huge uh, government strategy in place, Project 2040. You're probably familiar mm-hmm. with it, and that's designed to try to uh, spread economic and regional development development around the country. But for that to happen, you need a house builder and a couple of contractors in Leitrim, and you need one in Sligo yeah. and Galway. Well, and they are all in Dublin. That is the crux. <laughs> the problem isn't because we were mentioning there, and Carol was mentioning that. I think. Uh, Banks look for fifteen percent on on uh, on return. Mm. So, uh, what is the problem in the countryside? Is it is it is it the fact that there's lack of employment out there? Oh, lack uh, of good employment. A very simple formula. The from the buyer's perspective, if they can buy uh, an existing house for cheaper uh, than it costs to build a new house. Generally, oh, they'll yeah, pick a yeah. they'll pick existing stock, yeah. and, and that's still the case actually so, in yeah. um, areas around the Midlands. Mm, I yeah, understand. I think so. Yeah. So, so that will that will continue until uh, either prices go up, which nobody really wants, uh, or costs come down. Uh, and there, there's a lot of hoary chestnuts in there in the construction costs. So you know, 45 percent of the the cost of a new house is probably soft costs, which are taxation, development levies, all and so so. 
on and so forth. And the there's, rest still, is, there's still no move on even a temporary t- a VAT reprieve? The, the VAT reprieve we've given up on um, and we've, after advice and uh, many, many attempts, uh, we've took Einstein's advice not to repeat the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. But in fairness, um, it's been said to us uh, by a, co- a number of ministers over the last few years that uh, they're trying to address construction costs through other mechanisms like the LIHAF, like the um, HBFI and VAT is off the cards because it's just too complex and uh, it might even be uh, illegal. Well, it, it might contravene EU legislation to uh, to to do anything on VAT. So, we've so we won't it. even throw in how it worked for the tourism no, sector. No, no, and exactly. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, ship yeah. has sailed. Yes, okay, yes. well actually speaking of ships sailing, mm-hmm. you might have seen that um, there are attempts to protect the construction sector from Brexit. Now I'm sure you're well familiar with these. In fact, you're probably lobbying for them and, and rightly so. Um, but Fine Gael TD and of course the chairperson on the Oireachtas Housing Committee, Maria Bailey, she was talking about the work that's underway to minimise the impact of Brexit on the construction sector and namely materials because um, according to their figures, 50% plumbing materials, 30% of wood products um, used in all Irish building products come from the yeah. UK. You can imagine uh, for certain materials like steel, it's could well, be even higher. I mean, yeah, where where yeah, it could yeah. be even higher than that. So, so so. Where the, is the industry with yeah, this? There's a huge concern in the industry. Um, even if uh, Brexit is delayed and there's a soft Brexit and we get a benign Brexit, uh, the delay situation for materials could really, really, really cause difficulties on existing projects. So, if you imagine that you're on a public sector uh, project and uh, you've tendered for it three years ago, your mm-hmm. prices are at 2015. Or 2016 the hospital will really we, come into yeah. we, we, might, we might go there we might do a separate <laughs> show on that at yeah. another time I'm yeah. sorry I'm yeah. sorry this show is only 60 minutes we yeah, yeah. time well, to exactly. with the National yeah. Children's just, Hospital just goes to show you though mm. yeah. just goes to show you how 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 how, how Raw materials can be yeah, can be affected absolutely. in this situation. Yeah. You know? But but if you find uh, that that any materials are delayed at whatever whatever port it may be, um, the cost will increase exponentially on the ground here in Ireland. So, um, the and the cost is generally driven down towards the customer but it, it won't, okay. won't be possible in this case so we're very concerned about it. Okay well it looks like we've spent a lot of time talking about the problems and No doubt we'll have you in again We're, yeah, we're no closer good. to the solutions but Shane Dempsey from CIF thank you so much for joining us today it was great to have you here on Property Matters and we will definitely have you back again maybe this time to look more at the solutions Absolutely. And that's it from us today thank you for joining us on Property Matters the show where property matters Now I already mentioned next week that we're going to be taking um, the entire episode to talk about planning because it's something that's so important but over the coming weeks we will be delving into what's really going on in the mortgage market we'll be exploring alternative methods of construction and one of the hot topics on our agenda is the recent changes for building heights across Dublin our capital skyline is set to change and we want to hear from you with your thoughts on this so please get in touch with the show by emailing hello at ipropertyradio.com I want to thank uh, for being on the show with us today Peter Brown was on Sound K Talent produced. We're back at the same time next week, but stay tuned for Bowl of Soul, which is coming up next. But from Carol Talon and me, Brian Fox, thank you and good night.